motorsports, vinyl, together. Must a man walk down before they call him a man? How many seas must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? How many times must a Have you forgotten? 
time when false information wasn't so rampant in the sphere. There was a time when you weren't questioning everything you hear. Do you remember? Do you Constantly being advertised, our life commercialized and disguised as happiness and pills and potions, fancy threads and cars in motion, hypnotized by gilded lies to line the pockets of so few. While hungry politicians feed bullshit to the masses to ensure their status as it further divides the classes. Uh -huh. Are you a phone with a voice? So open up and speak your mind. Raise consciousness and elevate how we all relate. Don't hesitate, no need to be a better, smarter than anybody else. Leave judgment at the door for others in yourself.
everybody. Welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today it's Friday, August 28th, 2020. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We are in San Francisco. We're on Ohlone land. And a few places that folks can go to read more is if you go to ramaytush.com, and that's R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H.com, and a little bit here is that the Ramatush Ohlone are the original peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula. The Ramatush are the original peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula, and prior to the arrival of the Spanish, the Ramatush Ohlone numbered approximately 1,500 persons, but by the end of the mission period, only a few families had survived. Today, only one lineage is known to have produced living descendants in the present. Those descendants comprise a membership of the Association of Ramatush Ohlone today, A-R-O. And you can also, if you go to the website, ramatush.com, you can also sign petitions to remove statues of colonizers, as well as read more about the history as well. I also want to encourage folks to pay the Shumi land tax. And if you go to the Segorate Land Trust page, and that's S-O-G-O-R-E-A-T-E, landtrust.com, all one word, you can pay the land tax, and that's uh, the Shumi land tax is a voluntary annual contribution that non-Indigenous people pay uh, living on traditional Lishan Ohlone territory uh, th they make to support the critical work of the Segorate Land Trust. So again, SegorateLandTrust.com. Also, another website folks can go to for more information as well as to donate and find resources is the Indigenous Mutual Aid Fund. And if you go to indigenousmutualaid.org, you can find much more information there as well. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Got some, start off with music as we usually do. First off was Peter, Paul, and Mary singing Blowing in the Wind, which is sadly still very relevant. And then a song by a band or artist called Heartless Bastards called Revolution. We'll be playing some more music throughout the show in between news stories. Also have an interview, a pre-recorded interview coming up. That'll be playing, yeah, around 12.30 or so. So, <sighs> goodness. Uh, yeah, wow, what a, ugh, I, ugh. At, at one point when I do the transcripts of this show, I wonder if it'll just be me sighing if that will be the majority of the words that are just me sighing because sometimes it's hard to find the words for everything that is going on and how this creep into fascism and we're pretty much here is just it's been ongoing and it's been nonstop and it's terrifying and with this show I will provide some action items that folks can take and there's a lot of ways that folks are showing up so I do it's not completely hopeless as terrifying as it is. I think a lot of it is also about providing political education. And unfortunately, in the US at least, there's been so much propaganda in schools and through the media, like with the media and TV and movies that are so pro-cop and so pro-military. And it's like, oh, okay, so we've all been brainwashed to support the just the terror that military forces have inflicted on the people and the planet. And that's something I also thought about when I woke up and saw here in, in the Bay Area, the air quality is just horrific due to the the fires. And the last couple of days were, is, was definitely a lot more clear, which was nice. However, it's back to, at least as of this morning, was just so smoky and unhealthy. And 
a rem- and there's also the hurricane Hurricane Laura in Louisiana around the Louisiana Texas border, and rem- a reminder that the biggest polluter in the world is the U.S. military. Yet the military gets so much funding. So in addition to the human, li- the millions of human lives that have been lost over time, and terror that the military has inflicted, uh, there's also the destruction of. Well, the Earth hasn't been destroyed necessarily. It's more just the conditions. The conditions are just awful. So again, but yes, yeah, also harming the Earth. So here we have the military, and my feeling is that if there's any politicians out there who are really against climate change, they would call for the immediate demilitarization, defunding, and abolishment of the U.S. military. Seems simple enough. And there's so much that goes on to like personal responsibility, like we got to recycle, and we got to compost, and while that's all well and good, it's these larger corporations that are polluting, and we've got these big infrastructures that are causing harm. Factory farming, that's not good. Got people developing bombs and missiles, that's not good. And here we are, and everyone suffers because of it in so many ways. And that's the thing that the U.S. has for so long. Not that, I mean, there's also been harm done in this country, and as well as abroad, but there's been so much war abroad. And I think so, some of us here who have grown up here, we haven't quite experienced it aside from the fact that folks might know people who go off to fight and come back and they can't get health care or any type of care. People have PTSD. I think part of it is that we're seeing just so much more of it now. And there have been communities here, indigenous folks, black folks, immigrants, queer folks, disabled folks, the list goes on and on, who have continually been attacked simply for existing. I don't want to further depress anybody, including myself. I do feel it's important just to call things out for what they are and not to pretend that things don't exist. And the acceptance of fascism by so many people is deeply disturbing. And at the same time, it's not surprising. If people are okay with locking people up in prison, as they have been, as we have been doing in this country for such a long time, no matter who is the president, then it makes, I don't know why people are surprised that this is where it has naturally led. And I'm not at all to point fingers since I myself, I have the ability, I can do more things certainly to help people and certainly in San Francisco and many parts of the country where there are so many people without houses, yet there are empty homes. And it's, I know, easier for me to complain about it or to to talk about it than it is to take action, to feed people, to house people. And imagine living in a world where it was just a no-brainer, where everyone got housing, everyone got food, everyone got health care. It's not that fucking hard. Yet people who want to argue for this we are, uh, we're called too radical. And there's just so much misinformation out there. It's fucking disgusting. And the selfishness and the greed. Ugh. And this is why I play music on the show, so I can take breaks and leave it to musical artists to put those 
ideas out there in a palatable way. It's a reminder to breathe and a reminder that there are so many folks out there working for a better world and people who have come before us who have given their lives so we could all live in a better world. And I still, despite how cynical I feel and pessimistic I am at times and fearful I, I am, I have to remember that the future is unwritten, a better world is possible, and if folks are to come together, we could change this. I definitely have my fantasies. I don't always share them on the air. However, <sighs> best case scenario is that the folks causing harm just stop. I know that's not very realistic. However, that's the best case scenario. All the cops quit. Politicians who lie and cause harm, they quit. They can be held accountable. People who own private prisons are like, oh, I'm a terrible person. I've done terrible things. I'm going to just open the doors. We find ways to rehabilitate and to heal one another instead of punish each other. I mean, now that I say it out loud, it doesn't seem so far-fetched. Oh, and Jeff Bezos. Speaking of Jeff Bezos, some awesome folks set up a guillotine outside, one of his houses outside D.C. People also had a guillotine outside the White House. Just saying it. Just putting it out there. It's what folks are doing. Cool. All right. So, got a few news stories. I'm starting a new way of ordering the, the items that I share on the show. Sometimes I prepare a little bit more than others. I'm trying a new way. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I also want to refer folks to a new website for the that's an accompanying website for this podcast. If you go to weeklyrev.wordpress.com, you will find information about some of our shows. And again, the show's been going on for over six years, so there's a lot there. And, you know, moving along slowly but surely, but we have some more information about some of the shows in addition to the uh, link to the archive on mutinyradio.fm that folks can go to. You can also contact me if you have info you'd like to share, if you'd like to be a guest, and also a link to our Patreon. And I appreciate anyone who's able to share. Uh, anywhere from a dollar a month and up is greatly appreciated to pay for the dues. This is one of the few stations or a few places, independent places left in San Francisco where folks can come in and pay for your time and you can do a show of anything you want and that's pretty special so if you are able greatly appreciate it patreon.com forward slash weekly rev you can also find it at weeklyrev.wordpress.com okay so i'm gonna take a deep breath oh my gosh it's almost it's 12 20 already i also want to encourage folks to follow me on twitter in that i share a lot of news stories i do mostly retweeting and uh so you can follow me on there at r-o-m-a-n R-I-M-E-R. I'm going to play a few more songs that I had uh, picked out, and then I will be introducing an interview that I did on Tuesday of this week of an upcoming event. And yeah, so please do stay tuned. Playing some more music here. Let's see. Started off with uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary, so maybe we can go on to uh, another band called MDC. And if folks know what MDC stands for, you can see why this is pretty awesome. Okay. Bye. I mean, not by, but please stay tuned. 
Taken away in the wind And through your scattered thoughts Your brain is sifting As you realize That you're not dead It can happen After the meltdown It can happen Now that you changed It can happen
everybody welcome back that was i guess some more gentle songs by mdc and more recent ones they also had an album that came out uh recently uh 2020 coming up in one and a half minutes uh will be an interview that i did with max pearl and brie barnett who will be co-facilitating along with renee rivera a 10-week class that is coming up in september and for more information folks can go to the website transresilience.com and this is called gender transition finding your way i'll read a little bit about this going through a gender transition can be a stressful process full of changes and sometimes even chaos and transition also brings with it the potential for increased joy and contentment it can seem like there's so much to think about when so many internal things are shifting at once in addition navigating family community and personal relationships can feel challenging this course is designed to provide you with specific mindfulness and awareness practices and tools to help you navigate this time with more ease as well as a supportive community. 
We plan on covering befriending emotions, cultivating self-love, building support networks, cultivating embodiment, and many other topics, and we'll adapt the topics list to meet the needs of participants. This course is open to all people going through any gender transition. This class will meet via Zoom for two hours each Saturday for 10 weeks, starting on September 12th, 2020 at 1 p.m. Pacific time. There will be exercises and homework in between sessions and Facebook and Signal groups to keep in touch with the community in between sessions. The course is taught by Bree Barnett, Max Pearl, and Renee Rivera. And uh, courses like this typically cost about $400. And they say we offer a sliding scale with suggested contributions based on income wealth and other life factors. Of course, we recognize that income is an imperfect metric that doesn't take into account a variety of things like personal safety nets or lack thereof, dependence, debt, cost of living, or intersecting forms of oppression. We offer the chart below as a guidepost and trust you to pay an amount that will support your ability to participate and the sustainability of the class. So they have a link there, as well as some more information on the teachers and ways to register. So again, if you go to transresilience.com, this is called Gender Transition, Finding Your Way. I'm going to play the interview I did with two of the co-facilitators, Max and Bree, and I'll check in a little bit afterwards. So please do stay tuned. And joined here by uh, Maxwell Pearl and Brie Barnett. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've had us. Great. Yeah, I've had the privilege of meeting you before, so it's nice to reconnect again online. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think one one main thing where I wanted to uh, chat about today was to promote an upcoming event called Gen Gender Transition: Finding Your Way. And I thought we could talk a little bit about what this event entails and how folks can sign up for it. So first of all, if you wanted to talk about how a little bit about what this event entails and how folks can sign up for it. So first of all, if you wanted to talk about how um, you came involved, became involved with this event. Um, I can start. Um, so I've been working on um, helping to provide resources and support for folks who are transitioning or who are trans or gender uh, expansive. And um, and I, uh, Brie and Renee and also someone named JD and I had done a retreat in um, Joshua Tree mm. last year. And I thought it'd be cool to do something online now that everything is online. Yeah. Um, to do something online uh, to to sort of be of support of folks, so that was sort of how it's how it started. And we sort of figured, what, what should we do? And we sort of came up with this. Uh, it's a ten week class. Oh, very um, cool. With two two hours per week on Saturdays. Oh, so. Yeah, and I got involved when uh, Max reached out uh, with the idea, and I was so excited to participate. Kind of reflecting on, uh, especially these days, how important like digital spaces can be that for me, my hope is that this goes a little bit maybe deeper and more guided than a support group. I'm not sure about if this resonates with any other trans people who might be watching, but when I started out transitioning, you know, I, I was going to various support groups 
um, which tended to be a little bit of like a mixed experience because mm -hmm. people were sharing uh, what, you know, they were often like uh, felt a little unstructured. They could be a little dominated by particular voices, but they were also a really great place to meet community and learn from community. And so my hope is that over the course of these 10 weeks, being facilitated by a variety of trans perspectives and really with like some guidance that you know, support groups are a little bit more free formed. It can be kind of an improved version of that for people. That's mm -hmm. that's great. And I, I also I went to a few support groups or I should say many support groups when I was coming out. Um, and it definitely some of the folks I met along the way are still really close friends of mine. And it, it's so important to be able to have other folks who have, have had similar experiences and are going through what you're going through. I think at all times, and then in particular, towards the beginning of one's journey, it can mm -hmm. be so validating to meet other folks who, especially people who have already maybe been through a little bit more and can provide some perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, these days community feels so important um, and, and also being able to sort of be in a kind of supportive community where people are sort of in a way um, have some of the same um, ideas about uh, things that they need and want um, and can really support each other in their journey. Uh, so um, yeah, and, and as, as Bree said, that combination of, of guidance and, and community support at the same time was something where we were sort of mo moving toward. Yeah. yeah. I also uh, like the idea that by having it online, that means that it's more accessible for folks based on just exactly. people, as long as folks can connect online, uh, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. You know where you where you live, but you can connect and meet with so many other people from I guess, I guess around the world. Theoretically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's at a time where it's 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 a a good time for a variety of time zones. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So theoretically, we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, it could be from people from anywhere could join for sure. And I think like digital spaces have always been so important for the community, as you know. Mm -hmm places where you can find and see other people. And, you know, I remember when I was a teenager going on forums and things like that. And to, I'm excited to actually have um, an ability to have a little bit more interaction, have some breakout groups so you can actually form relationships with other people um, around the nation, potentially around the world. Um, you know, be have some core guiding practices that people find helpful. I'm really excited to, you know, get get into a little bit of how mindfulness can accompany mm -hmm. and be supportive of a gender transition, you know, general things that are useful for transition, but aren't necessarily just limited to being about gender. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was curious as to, since it's a 10-week class, uh, if you know ahead of time, I'm sure a lot of it will be, you know, changing as as it goes based on the needs of folks who are participating. I was curious mm -hmm. as to what's planned in terms of each week um, in regards to how it will evolve. Yeah, so, so far we've planned the first um, roughly the half um, mm -hmm. because we do want to be able to uh, customize it to who's in the audience um, when, you know, whoever, whoever has registered. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff initially around um, um, uh, cultivating self-compassion, mm -hmm. cultivating mindfulness. Um, there's some things around finding community and building community. Um, 
befriending your emotions. Uh, those are sort of the basic elements of the first first half. Oh. Yeah. It's so helpful. I mean, to, to hear that now mm -hmm. even is so important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and we, we, you know, the, I think there's other topics um, might include, depending upon who the audience is, um, stuff around um, preparations for potential surgeries, what, what to expect around that sort of thing, um, other kinds of more specific topics, but it really depends on who's, who's, who's in the audience. Um, we, we did want it to be open to people going through any gender transition, which meant <laughs> male to female, female to male, um, to non-binary, to, you know, gender, whatever, whatever people were going through. It didn't really, it didn't have to be any specific set of transition, it could be any gender transition. So Yeah, that's, that is, I really appreciate that, because I think there's, I, you know, not to be like, oh, when I was a kid, which was only, you know, like 12 <laughs> years ago or so, but I was, I was living in New York at the time, and at the center, there was, they had like the two groups where there's a trans masculine group and a trans feminine group. And we met at the same time in different rooms. And then we'd all kind of go out to eat together or many of us mm -hmm. would go out to eat together. And that was, mm -hmm. it was nice. And at the same time, it felt like, oh, it would I really, I feel like would have benefited more personally from just being around, having it not be limited, I guess, to mm -hmm. the, the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think there is, it's so important to build, you know, really trans unity. Um, I think the things that we face, no matter which direction or directions, or if you're zigging and zagging, whatever your personal journey may be, we have so much to learn uh, from each other and also so much um, like power to build with each other instead of viewing you know as people on like opposite courses or anything mm -hmm. like that i think a lot of the issues we face especially when it comes to the tools that might be helpful for us um a, a lot of them really really are rooted in common experiences of transphobia mm -hmm. and isolation and i think building communities mm -hmm. really a powerful way to address that. Not to say there aren't important differences of experience, of course, but I the the more time I spend in trans community, the more I, I really strongly believe in that connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. I think also one thing that's that that um, I'm it's important to me and and which I think has changed a lot in the last I don't know ten or so years is that. Um, there's sort of a, there used to be the set of very specific expectations about what you would do when and what the stages were and and what you had to, hoops you had to jump through. And at least in California, it's very, it's much more freeform and open. And I think that's happening in more places too. And so um, being able to um, really embrace the fact that things people are doing things in very different ways, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of differences in the way people have chosen to go about the process is I think really important. So, and it's cool that that's true, um, that there really is so much more flexibility now around how people transition and, and what steps they go through. Yeah, and I think that's all the more important it is to have as many folks present as possible just because there are so many different yeah. paths one can take. And there's not, as you were mentioning, like there's not one right way to do it. <clears throat> right, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Okay.
So um, I imagine, so will it be like moderators? I was curious as to how like the setups, mm. the setup of the, well, yeah, if you could talk a little bit about that. So there are three of us teaching and we'll, we'll all three of us will be in, in, um, in the first and last uh, sessions. Mm -hmm. And then two will be in each session. So okay. some of us, so we'll sort of be alternating a bit. Um, um, but, 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 and the people who are leading whatever the week is, will you know, choose which practices we're talking about, what sort of the content is in a way. So it's a collaborative process where we oh. figure out, you know, what we're doing. Um, and then, and, and as we said, there'll be breakout groups, which will just be freeform without the, without, you know, without us, the facilitators, people will be on their own to talk about or, you know, share or whatever um, is going on for them. And we've also structured it so each, um, each, each, not only is there a general theme, but there's kind of some like core curriculum around like a particular practice of, of self, whether that be a mindfulness practice, a compassion practice, uh, a loving kindness practice, um, and people will have an opportunity to to practice those, and then there will be some advised re readings, kind of you know homework. Although I, I don't think anyone's getting a grade on whether or not they pass or fail. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Something else I wanted to mention that I saw from the invite, which folks can find on Facebook, uh, "Gender Transition: Finding Your Way" is the title is that it's a sliding scale. So recognizing that oftentimes cost can be a barrier in terms of folks uh, meeting community. So I really appreciate mm -hmm. that that's um, an incorporated element in the, in, the, in the classes. Yeah, it's super important. I mean, it's, it's especially for trans folks, so many don't have resources. Mm -hmm. And yet, and it's not, it's always felt really kind of bad to me that, that there's some amazing resources out there that, that people can't have access to just because of they can't afford it. So it's important. It's been important um, to provide that for people no matter what. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And is there a way that folks who might not be participating can donate to at least help like alleviate the costs of? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I hadn't actually thought about that. Um, at the moment, no, but I appreciate the question. I'll have to think about that. Because <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, a lot of us who would be happy to yeah contribute what we can and mm -hmm. you know help get the word out for folks right like, thank you yeah yeah it's that thing too of like looking out for like what would i you know what do i wish was around when i was younger kind of a thing yes and, or even mm -hmm. which was around now too yeah so, yeah yeah i mean so. i think i mean the truth is this is good for anyone no matter what stage they're in i mean i think mm -hmm. it is geared a bit toward people who are earlier in their process but mm -hmm. the kind the tools and stuff we're talking about are you know you could have you know, transition ten years ago and still find the tools really useful, and the, and the, and the community really useful. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, now I'm like, oh, really cool. Yeah, and I also just appreciate also with what you, as what you're both were sharing about with like meditation and different tools for for self healing too, and that's how just a big um, part of the process too. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. We, we don't go through this alone. We go through it in community, but also there is a lot 
to sort through in your own head and in your own body and connections there trying to integrate understandings of past present future selves and i think those tools for self-guided practices are really essential for trans people yeah and i just think about like again i speak from my own experience but like how internalized transphobia is still something that's so learned i think and it's so Mm -hmm. difficult to deconstruct it and to understand it and to try to eradicate it and then I think Mm -hmm. when I'm around Mm -hmm. other when I've been around other trans folks and I've heard negative self-talk for instance and it's like it's easy for me to be compassionate towards someone else and less so towards myself Mm -hmm. I think so Mm -hmm. I think it's it's so crucial just to have other folks around and to really just yeah find ways to be compassionate with ourselves as compassionate as we are with others yep I I I mean I I think that you know, for trans folks, loving ourselves is a is a is a radical act. Is a is a is an actually an, a radical, um, revolutionary act. Uh, I think for any folks who've been um, oppressed, loving ourselves and finding our own value and our own worth is is radical. I think so, indeed. So uh, another question I was curious as to, I've seen that there's the event on Facebook and I was curious about for folks who are interested in signing up if they don't have Facebook or is there another way, like another website? Or right, yes. Um, I, I can uh, send you a link um, and I think actually, I mean, I should have had this. I have a quick link, um, a short link, which is... Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, bit.ly slash tr-gr-0920. Okay. That's a registration link. Okay, great. And as far as um, oh, putting the word out for folks, is there other ways that folks can also share? Like I'd imagine just wanting to reach as many people as possible and then also still, um, you know, retain like the confidentiality and... Um, ensure it's meeting people where they're at? That's not a question. What am I trying to say? Um, other ways of getting the word out in a way that's going to reach people and also maintain, um, you know, like the kind of sanctity of the space maybe is the word I'm looking for? Right. Um, well, the, I mean, once people register, there's no, I mean, there's no, we won't be in any way, shape, or form sharing who registers to sure, the class. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think um, people can share. Um, there's also, I, I can send you some links people can share. Um, oh, I don't know if that's If you have show notes or whatever, but I yeah, can, absolutely. Um, I'll send you some links. Yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, sure. just wanting to yeah help help get the word out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 <sighs> also, I'm hopeful that this can be a resource for people generally. I'm not sure if either of you have had the experience of someone um, from a random part of your life uh, coming to you and being like, I have a friend or my coworker's daughter is doing a thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, and you know, I, I also hope it can be a little bit of a practical resource um, uh, to, for for people who, who want to share resources with mm-hmm. a specific person they know who might find it helpful that um, it, it can be useful 
um, for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've already started thinking about like gender spectrum, which is like the conference, which mm -hmm. would happen during the summer and especially with, with younger folks. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, cool. Well, so just so that you know that the, um, the, the workshop is designed for people who are 18 and above. Okay. So um, that's one little thing you should know. Got it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Um, is there anything else you, um, either of you would like to share in regards to this upcoming event or anything else? It's really an open platform. So yeah, it's up to you. I have one thing. Um, so I do a, um, once a month, um, sort of community, um, gathering, um, and basically it's, I do one, I introduce one practice mm -hmm. and then also we just talk and check, people check in and, and that kind of thing. And that happens on the second Wednesday of yeah. each month. Um, and I'll send you the link for that. Oh, very um, cool. So, yeah. Nice. Um, and there also is a trans mindfulness group, um, through East Bay Meditation Center that, that meets, I believe on the last Monday of the month. Yes. Um, at Pacific. Um, and I, you know, that's even more accessible now that we're in quarantine. You do not have to be in the East Bay, although it is a bonus, uh, to think that, you know, we'll be able to come in person, uh, when we can do that again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, great. Well, um, thank you both so much for, for sharing, uh, this event with us and your time. And yeah, anything else or we all? No, it was, it was great to be here. Great to talk with you. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Okay. All right. Big thanks to Bree and Max for, for checking in about this awesome event that's coming up. And again, if folks would like a detailed description of the class and to sign up, you can go to transresilience.com forward slash gender dash transition dash finding dash your dash way there's also a short link for the registration which is bit.ly forward slash tr dash gr dash zero nine two zero also the community gathering that's on the second wednesdays that max mentioned at 5 30 p.m pacific time folks can find at bit.ly forward slash tr-gr-gathering, and I will do my best to have all this information also up on our WordPress page, which again, folks can find by going to weeklyrev.wordpress.com. We're going to take a bit of a music break, then I'm going to share some upcoming events, um, some trainings that folks can participate in, as well as some news stories that somehow just didn't quite make it to corporate media. I don't know why that happened. Hmm, let me think about why. <sighs> okay, uh, and I am going to play some music now. I'm going to mostly like press a button, though. I'm not going to grab a guitar and literally play the music. And I wanted to share some music from Shamir, who's an artist I like quite a bit, who has a new album that's out. And here are a few songs from Shamir, from new album, Shamir's new album, and I think some previous albums as well. You can also find... Uh, Shamir's work on Bandcamp and Spotify, and that's S-H-A-M-I-R. Please do support this artist. 
and we'll be back in a bit, so please do stay tuned.
howdy, howdy, hi, hi. Well, everyone is minus, you could call me multiply. Just so you know, yes, yes, I'm that guy. You could give her fingers and I'm not waving high. Guess I'm never ending. You could call me pie. But really, how long till the world realize? Yes, yes, I'm the best. Fuck what you heard. Anything less is obviously absurd. It is good to burn, more like an eagle. This is my movie, stay tuned for the sequel. Seems so wrong, seems so illegal. Got this in the back like a foul ball free throw. Yep, yep, you know that I go. This is me on the regular, so you know. On the regular, so you know. Yep, yep, you know that I go. This is me on the regular, so you know. This is me on the regular, so you know. I come with the tip, with the blow, with the boom. And if you're in my way, there's nothing but doom. Ain't got no time for your wretched ass goons. And just settle down, listen to my tunes. Ever since I was eight, I was attached to the mic. Wanted a guitar before I wanted a bite. Had an apple phone, talk a Fisher Price. Never seen a song, cause I'm up all night. Really, really? Really, really? You wanna talk shit, but you know that I am really, really to the fullest. Hello and welcome back to the weekly review. That was Shamir, three songs from Shamir. And next up, got a few events that are coming up and news items. Uh, yeah. All right. So one event that's happening tomorrow I wanted to share is a Know Your Rights training that's put together by Berkeley Cop Watch. Folks can find this if you... There's an Eventbrite page for it, and I'll read a little bit of the info, and you can also find more info probably a little bit easier by going to the Berkeley Cop Watch page as well as following them on Twitter. And I'm going to bring up a few things right now just to be sure that I'm reading all the information that I can. Okay, so again, you can follow Berkeley Cop Watch on Twitter at copwatch411. They also have a website, berkeleycopwatch.org. You can find much more information there. I'm going to read a little bit about their upcoming Know Your Rights training. 
this is an interactive training, which is meant as an introduction to your constitutional rights as they pertain to filming the police. Um, so it's, okay, that's the, the main. Whew, taking me a while to get my thoughts together. Okay, about this event. This interactive training is meant as an introduction to your constitutional rights as they pertain to policing and strategies for filming and documenting the police. This is also meant to give you tools so you can better advocate for your rights and the rights of others. Sliding scale donations start at zero dollars. The, the way that you can choose to interact with the police is a very personal choice, carrying different risks based on your race, gender, class, and more. The information in this training is meant to empower you and offer you choices when confronted by the police. It is not meant to replace your lived experience or tell you what is, the right, what is right in every situation. Only you know that. You have a right to film. 1. Introduction and principles of cop watching. 2. Legal rights and how they play into filming the police. 3. Three types of stops, violations, and police misconduct. 4. Cop watching techniques. 5. How to film. 6. Notes on getting arrested, COVID-19, and curfews. 7. How you can fight back. This is brought to you by Berkeley Cop Watch, which was founded in 1990. For more information on our history, as an abolitionist and community-centered all-volunteer organization, please visit their website, which again, folks can check out at berkeleycopwatch.org. And if you're interested in participating in this event, one moment, I'm gonna bring this up here. Okay. Also, the, um, the website has uh, lots of resources uh, and ways you can donate and news and quite a lot more. So we also have uh, PowerPoint and PDFs as well as quizzes that folks can take to learn more. So if you're unable to make it to the training, you can go to the website and find more information. And also, what else did I want to say? Oh, they also have a newsletter. So you can sign up for the newsletter as well. You can also follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They also have a YouTube channel as well. So lots of ways to learn from this org. And again, the event is happening tomorrow, Saturday, August 29th, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can find this event on Eventbrite, as well as on their webpage, go to berkeleycopwatch.org. Okay, so that was one event that I wanted to share. There's also another one as well that I am going to get to in a moment. And again, looking at this new way of putting together a list of all the items to talk to. And again, as per, as, as per usual, this is only just a drop in the bucket of all the things that are happening. So on September, on Saturday, September 26th at 8 p.m., there's an event, Cuban Doctors Speak, 15 years of the Henry Reeve International Medical Brigade. And I'll read a little bit from the email I received from this organization here. Oh, I see where I did this, okay. Nobel Peace Prize for Cuban Doctors. Do Trump and coronavirus have you down? Then join us on September 26th to celebrate the 15-year anniversary of one of the world's most beautiful projects, Cuba's Henry Reeve International Medical Brigade. The Henry Reeve Brigade will celebrate its 15th anniversary next month. 
Yes, it will have been 15 years since Hurricane Katrina ravaged New Orleans and prompted then-Cuban President Fidel Castro to offer to send doctors to help treat patients in the storm's aftermath. The U.S. government refused this offer. But Cuba was not deterred from wanting to show the world some much-needed solidarity. Since its founding, the brave people of the Henry Reeve International Medical Brigade have given emergency medical assistance to more than 3.5 million people in over 50 countries. To honor their compassion and commitment, we will hear directly from Cuban doctors working on the front lines of the pandemic. So again, this event is called Cuban Doctors Speak, 15 years of the Henry Reeve International Medical Brigade, Saturday, September 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. It's online via Zoom, uh, Facebook, uh, and YouTube. And there's even more good news, they say. Uh, Danny Glover will be on this with us to offer his commentary, and journalist author Vijay Prashad will host this fascinating conversation. Please join Danny, Vijay, and the Cuban medical per personnel for this celebratory event. We promise it will nurture your soul. In solidarity, Alicia Drakbo and Medea Benjamin. Uh, P.S. The attacks on Cuba's medical internationalism are not stopping. Even Human Rights Watch, a liberal NGO, has joined in on the Trump administration's campaign to slander this amazing example of solidarity. If you have not already, please read this rebuttal to the HRW report and sign into your the petition asking HRW to retract their flawed report. And also, uh, Vijay Prashad has just published a lovely article about why Cuban doctors deserve the Nobel Peace Prize, and they have a link as well, and much more information. And I'm going to click on this link here and share where folks can go. If you go to uh, cubanoble.org, you'll find uh, lots more of this information. Again, Cuba Noble, C-U-B-A-N-O-B-E-L.org. Cool. That sounds pretty awesome. All right. Next up. Okay. Got this, got that, got that. All right. Got some news. I'm going to share a few more things that folks can check out. There's lots of information out there. And again, it's one has to, to, to find it. So there's a book called Physical Resistance. And it's about 100 years of militant anti-fascism in one book. There's a few copies left. And this was shared by the Anti-Fascist Network. You can follow them on Twitter, at Anti-Fascist, N-E-T-W. And you can find this book at brightonantifascist.bandcamp.com. There's four remaining books left. So again, uh, Brighton, B-R-I-G-H-T-O-N, antifascists.bandcamp.com, forward slash merch. You can find this book. Uh, by Dave Hahn. I guess I'll also find it elsewhere by your independent booksellers. Also want to do a plug for Green Arcade Books as well as Powell up in Portland. Uh, also Dogyard Books and Alley Cat Books <sighs> and Adobe Books here in San Francisco. Green Apple. There's a lot of indie bookstores. I want to promote them and to not support Amazon at all. Gross. Fuck Jeff Bezos. And I've read that Powell's up in Portland are going to no longer use Amazon as a means of shipping or anything, and they're also just in, uh, wanting other indie bookstores to do the same. So again, this book's called Physical Resistance, 100 Years of Anti-Fascism by Dave Hahn, or Han, and that's H-A-N-N. I'll read a little bit about this. Large-scale confrontations, disruption of meetings, sabotage, and street fighting have been a part of the practice of anti-fascism from the early 20th century until the 21st. 
rarely endorsed by any political party, the use of collective bodily strength remains a strategy of activists working in alliances and coalitions against fascism. In physical resistance, famous battles against fascists from the Olympia Arena, Earl's Court in 1934, and Cable Street in 1936 to Southall in 1978 and Bradford 2010 are told through the voices of participants, anarchists, communists, and socialists who belong to a shifting series of anti-fascist organizations, uh, relate well-known events alongside many forgotten but significant episodes. So again, you can find this... Uh, uh, from the Brighton Anti-Fascist. I'm going to also look in other places to see where I can order this book. This looks awesome. And also reminds me of another book, um, No Fascist USA. And I interviewed James Tracy and Hillary Moore, who are the co-authors of the book that came out earlier this year. It was right when Shelter in Place started. Because remember, we did the interview via Skype. You can find that book again at No Fascist USA. Oh, right. So there's that. Another item <laughs> I wanted to promote is that the it could happen here podcast and i'm going to go to the twitter link where i shared information about this and we go to it's on spotify and this is from uh lilith share this and at lilith x sinclair and there's also a book this is based on so i'm going to spotify right now to share to find the so it's on iHeartRadio. It's called It Could Happen Here, and they have a trailer. So actually, actually, <laughs> I'm going to play the trailer so we can hear a little bit about this. And I'm going to, there we go. You wake up before your alarm. No sunlight peeks through your window. It's far too early for that. You're confused for just a moment. Then you hear another explosion. It echoes in the night, rattling the walls and the window of your apartment. This is not the first bomb you've heard, and it sounds far enough away that you know the danger isn't imminent. That surprises you a little bit, the fact that you recognize it's not close. You realize you've now heard enough explosions to have a pretty good ear for them, when they're close enough to worry about. It's weird how quickly life in a war zone becomes just life. You get up. There's no sense trying to get back to sleep. As you stumble over to the kitchen to grind some coffee, you hear the crack of rifle fire. It's distant, too, far enough away that it sounds almost like firecrackers, but you know it's not. You fill the grinder, put on the top and press down. Nothing happens. You realize, belatedly, in your sleep-fogged brain, that the power's out again. You wonder which of the dozen different rebel and insurgent groups in your state might be responsible. You don't even bother to get out your phone and check the news. It doesn't really matter, and you've got shit to do. It's still dark outside, and since you're already up, you might as well take advantage of the situation and beat the crowd to the grocery store. As you close and lock your door behind you, you try to ignore the pop and chatter of not-so-distant gunfire. There are days when you do feel like doing something, maybe even joining your friends. But most days, like today, you've got shit to do. It's an election year. Every candidate is doing their level best to not call this what it is, a civil war. You hear that phrase out on the street, though, more and more every day. You reach a crosswalk and start to step across. On the left, your eyes are drawn to the massive bulk of a police bearcat as it trundles across the street parallel to you. A man sits up top in the cupola, his hands on a machine gun that, for now, has its nose pointed up in the air. He stares at you, and you try not to stare back. As you hurry along to the supermarket, you ask yourself the question you've asked almost every day for the last three years. How did it get this bad? Did that seem far-fetched to you? Outlandish? 
If so, let me try to show you why the preceding passage might well be reality for millions of Americans startlingly soon. Something isn't done. The Second American Civil War doesn't sound like a crazy, distant possibility to me, and it hasn't for a while. I'm Robert Evans, and it's my job to help you see what I see. 2016 was the first year I started seriously considering the possibility of a Second American Civil War. It was the year I reported on the major protests surrounding the most contentious election in modern American history. I was there at the RNC and the DNC, and at both, I saw tremendous hatred on display. I also traveled to Iraq in 2016 to report on the siege of Mosul. But nothing I saw there, nothing I saw anywhere that year, scared me more than watching Alex Jones speak on the first day of the RNC. These are not liberals. These are anti-free speech, anti-freedom scum who need to get their ass to North Korea. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast where, every season, I take some fantastic, unlikely scenario and explain how it could happen, why it might be closer than you'd think, and how it will look when or if it comes. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So, wow. There we go. You can find it again, iHeartRadio, uh, as well as on Spotify. All right. So, next up, some news items. This is a website uh, that I hadn't seen before, so I wanted to share it. And it's called Enough is Enough 14, the number 14.org. And going to see i've got quite a few tabs open and let's see if i can bring up the uh, article i wanted to share got a lot going on here there's a lot going on in the world so of course it makes sense that um yeah even doing this show there's just so much going on let's see So if you go to enoughisenough14.org, there's a story that came out on August 26th, which was a couple days ago. Revolutionaries attack police and state buildings around U.S. Now, funny, because I don't remember, I mean, I don't really watch the news, so I can't really pretend that I do and make a snarky comment. So never mind. Take that back. I'm assuming folks who watch uh, CNN, MSNBC, awful Fox News don't necessarily see stories like this. However, it's important to share what's actually happening so folks can be aware. Revolutionaries attacked a police union building in Portland, set fires outside a precinct in Seattle, and attacked a state capitol building in Madison in solidarity with Jacob Blake, a black man who was shot by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Also in Denver, armed revolutionaries attacked police headquarters, set fires, and injured a pig. I'm assuming they meant a cop, because why would you, why would you, you know, injure an actual uh, animal like a pig? Although people do eat bacon, so. Mm. Anyway, okay, so this was published by Abolition Media Worldwide, they have photos. The protests, they have one from Portland, Oregon. The protest started as a rally in the nearby Arbor Lodge Park in solidarity with Jacob Blake. And uh, around 9.30 p.m., a group of about 300 militants started marching toward the Portland Police Association building on Lombard Street. Within minutes of arriving, fires were set on the outside of the building. Pigs were hit with rocks and umbrellas thrown by militants. Just poor rocks and umbrellas. Seattle, Washington. Militants also attacked uh, the East Pike Amazon Go store. Revolutionaries made their way to the West Precinct, where some militants began hurling objects at the building, causing damage and broken windows, as well as painting graffiti on the walls. A nearby coffee shop was also attacked by militants who smashed 
The plate glass windows, the group then made their way back east and continued to protest outside the east precinct. Revolutionaries there climbed over a chain-link fence and set a fire next to the building. One pig was injured during the course of the uprising. Multiple incendiary devices were also thrown outside the offices of the Seattle Police Officer Guild Union offices on 4th Avenue South. Next up, Madison, Wisconsin. The Cooper's Tavern on... Mifflin Street was among the capitalist businesses to sustain damage during Monday's uprising in Madison, with all of its front windows smashed in. Among the most heavily damaged businesses were Teddy Wedger's Sandwich Shop, uh, the It's It's Sugar Candy Store, and Badger Liquors, which was looted on Monday night. A bus stop on State Street was also bore damage from the night, with all the windows smashed out. Several buildings along State Street were also tagged with graffiti and with anti-police messaging, as well as Black Lives Matter tags. On Mifflin Street, the Merrill Lynch Wealth Management Office had windows smashed in with graffiti that read, Here are your premiums. And the UW Credit Union on Mifflin was also attacked. The headquarters of one of the state's most influential lobbying groups was also set on fire and attacked late Monday. A crowd of hundreds of revolutionaries set fires and attacked property in downtown, and a Molotov cocktail was thrown at the entrance of Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce's offices on East Washington Avenue. The militants smashed the building's windows and spray-painted, You have stolen more than we could ever loot on its side. Denver, Colorado. Dozens of armed revolutionaries... uh, it's a photo. It's captioned uh, the Denver Police Headquarters late Saturday and damaged buildings, set fires, and injured a pig. Revolutionaries were armed with guns, explosives, axes, and machetes. Fireworks were shot at officers. An American flag and a tree outside a courthouse were set ablaze. Windows were shattered, and a fast food restaurant was broken into during the uprising. One pig suffered a concussion and third-degree burns. The shooting of Jacob Blake has sparked a new wave of uprising that began with the murder of George Floyd by police in Minneapolis in May. Revolutionaries will continue attacking the police and capitalist businesses until the U.S.'s white supremacist pig forces are completely eliminated. Hashtag Kenosha. Hashtag Wisconsin. Erupts after police try to execute Jacob Blake. So again, this information is from a webpage, enoughisenough14.org, which I hadn't seen before. And I'm now following them on Twitter. You can also follow them as well. And I'm going to read a little bit about this page. because I think it's super crucial just to get as much information as we can. Uh, and they say, Enough 14 is not organizing any of these events. Uh, we are publishing these texts for people across the U.S. and Europe to be able to see what's going on and for documentation only. And also a reminder for folks, if you're out there, uh, to not record uh, protesters' faces in particular because many folks have been arrested um, due to pigs... <laughs> You know, I'm just saying it too. I try not to use that term, though, because I feel it's offensive to actual pigs. Uh, seeing people's protesters' faces and identifying features like tattoos or clothes or anything. So just to be sure to not videotape or other people who are doing things for everyone's safety. All right. So I'm going to read also a little bit about this, the folks who create this page. Uh, and you can also support them. Uh, we are a group of free anarchists who report about political struggles around the world. Most of our reports are published in English, also some in German. We work together with several other media collectives. We also travel to a lot to report from the ground in other territories. You can't buy our reports. They're all copyleft. Copyleft. Okay. Uh, social networks. We want to leave Facebook and actually do not recommend Twitter or other corporate me social media. I get that for sure. All Ooh, an alternative, which is great. Uh, Mastodon, which I've heard about, uh, is one of the decentralized non-commercial GNU social providers. You'll find us here at todon.nl 
at enough 14 GNU. Why we joined Todon? They're about us section says it all. Todon.nl is a leftist mastodon inst instance for progressives, socialists, anarchists, activists, environmentalists, vegans, anti-racists, anti-fascists, anti-capitalists, pirates, LGBTQ+, human rights activists, etc. Sounds like me. Please join us. Cool. I'm going to do that. That was really loud. Okay. I didn't mean to. Anyway, they also have a YouTube channel, live streams, etc. Cool. All right. So, um, all right. Let me. Okay. I think it's time for a music break, maybe our last music break. And then uh, there is another. Oh, there's a video I was going to play too about counterfeit medical gear. Didn't know a lot about this. Um, the indigenous. Anarchist Federation, which you can follow on Twitter, at IAF underscore FAI, has more information about this, just as it's been a theme that things are getting pretty fucked up here. I mean, things have always been fucked up, but even more so. Uh, everyone, if you can spare the money, get an individual first aid kit, IFAK. Uh, these are kits designed to save lives during traumatic injuries, i.e. explosions, stabbings, and shootings. Buy from a repu reputable dealer Learn how to use it and practice by extras to give out at protests. And they have a whole thread about items that you can you can get. And there's also a video combat application tourniquet, uh, NAR hyphen vent chest seal instructions. Like a lot of the stuff is very new to me. Um, NAR compressed gauze instructions, uh, quick clot bleeding control dressing instructions, as well as counterfeit medical gear with a video. So I'm gonna actually play the video, and they're also saying don't do not buy from eBay. Uh, they say uh, this is why we only recommend purchasing IFAKs, IFAKs from a reputable dealer like Chinook Medical or North American Rescue. Never buy trauma first aid supplies from eBay, Amazon, or Fly by Night websites. And we also encourage folks to add nax naloxone kits to your rigs. <sighs> okay. So there is a uh, video that I'm going to share about um, why it's important to just get these items from reputable sources. So counterfoot medical gear. There's a YouTube page. It's about like a seven-minute video. I'm going to play this, then I'll play some music, and then wrap up the show. That sounds like a good idea. So again, you can find this at YouTube.com, and I'm going to I'm talking myself, talking to myself, although I'm on the radio. Oh my gosh, what a week it's been. And of course, we also heard, of, before I get into this, also uh, protesters who were killed, murdered by a 17 year old who crossed state lines. And we got the right wing who are encouraging this type of behavior and excusing it, and it's fucking disgusting and terrifying. So, just noting that there, so it's important for folks to find ways to be responsive and to get as much medical training as we can get. Counterfeit medical care. Also, while I'm talking about this, uh, there was an interview I did with uh, Faye, who was a member of the SRA. There's also, please join and support Socialist Rifle Association, just talking for folks who are interested in leftists, who are interested in arming themselves and learning how to train. I know that's not a thing for everyone. However, for folks who are, it, there are folks out there who are training and teaching, and SRA folks should get involved with. Okay. This video is counterfeit medical gear. It came out on July 1st, excuse me, June 1st. No, July 1st, 2017 from InRange TV. I'm gonna play this now. The New York Times published an opinion article titled 
the American hey guys, Civil thank War, you for tuning in to another episode two. of InRange. I'm the actually National at the Tactical Weapon, Medic the today in Mesa, Arizona. We're doing a medical class, and we're going to have a video about that as well. But I was talking to Sean, who's the owner of the TacticalMedic.com, and something I was not aware of that he brought up, and actually was brought up in the class, which kind of disturbed me, was how much of this stuff is actually counterfeit in the market. It's a big problem. Or potentially counterfeit. And so the problem is, if we say go get a cat tourniquet or go get whatever as a life-saving device, if you don't buy it from a known reputable reseller, there's a good chance you might get something counterfeit. And when you're actually trying to save somebody's life turning a windlass, you could break it or something worse. But a lot of them fail. Okay. So what's going on here? Well, uh, the, the generation of cat tourniquet that the military was issuing, um, I'm not sure what they would call it possibly the Gen 6 or something like that. It's the, North American Rescue is the sole authorized distributor of the product in the U.S. Um, they came out with a counterfeit of this, of the, the military tourniquet, which was, would have been the, the black one. Sure. And uh, they're really clean. Mm -hmm. They actually look nicer than real cats. And that's actually kind of the giveaway. The packaging is too nice. Really? So real cats come in in crappy cellophane packaging because you're supposed to take it, rip the packaging off. Yeah. So that's kind of the So giveaway. the packaging was very temporary. Yeah, they use they use the, the cheapest packaging they can just to keep everything to, together in shipping. Shrink wrap. And yeah. so the bootlegs, a lot of them are in nice clamshells or they're in a nicer bag. Interesting. And so that, that's almost the first giveaway is that they're too well packaged. But like the soft tee, um, Wides, there's bootlegs of those. The the rat tourniquet, there's bootlegs of those. Um, pretty much all the tourniquets. I think where you're more of an issue is the cat tourniquet because the plastic, uh, the windlass is plastic. Mm -hmm. And as, as you know, my you know my background is plastics. And when you say plastic, it's kind of a general. Everything is lumped in yeah. term. Polymer. The windlass on a cat is actually, if I'm not mistaken, some sort of a, a reinforced nylon material. Okay. So it has UV stabilization so that the sun's not going to kill it. Uh, it has uh, probably long glass fiber, I think. Okay. It kind of looks like, so that it has strength. The point being is it's designed for this application exactly. in the field, and exactly. when you're turning that thing and applying a lot of pressure to stop blood flow, it's not going to snap off and, in your hand. And there have been a bunch of different people that have, have done little home tests on these things where they fail. Okay. As soon as you put real loads on them, they fail. So what this what this came to it was this really seemed very insidious to me because we're aware of you know there's a lot of knockoff stuff. There's yeah. knockoff aim points, knockoff this, knockoff that, knockoff rail system stuff you throw on your airsoft gun, and, and who cares really right. for the most part. Knockoff medical gear is a particularly insidious kind of evil thing. It is well, especially when you're you're talking about a product that has a certain mechanical property to it that must must work. And that's where ultimately when I heard about counterfeit medical equipment, buying stuff from either the tacticalmedic.com or some other reputable vendor, getting the real stuff when you need it matters. Well and, it's, and that's crazy. You, you are truly you are truly making a decision if someone's going to live or die and you're trying to save five dollars. Which speaks volumes about someone who's willing to pass off counterfeit medical equipment. I don't even know that really I, I have a hard time getting my head wrapped around I, that. I I've gotten very nasty with some people because to be fair to some of these guys they don't know they're selling a counterfeit cat okay they, so they, that's, that's different than doing an intention yeah yes but when I when I talked to uh, there was some um, some dude just popped up at the gun shows and I went over him I'm looking at it and it's like what is this it's like are, you know mm -hmm. how much are these you know he told me the price it's like you know that's not a cat oh yeah it is 
And then the other guy's like, oh no, they're, they're cat style tourniquets. Like, no, there's cat no style. style. It's either yeah. a cat tourniquet or it's not. You know, and, and yeah. I've, I've, had, I've had people say, well, why is it so much more expensive? And it's like, you're, you're paying for this. Well, from, from my end, as, as someone who's selling this stuff, I have North American Rescue to stand behind me. Yep. If the product fails and I haven't done anything hinky to it, the liability goes up. Right. Well, I have them. I have them to, to back me up by saying, "Look, you you did something to this product, yep. or, or you know, it was outside your scope of, of, of use or whatever." And so, I mean, just just from a, a straight up, you know, capitalistic liability standpoint, you want to you want to stay with products from real companies. But there's the moral element. But well, most definitely. Yeah. So I'm I, with my Mark One eyeball here. I see the most current Cat Gen Seven mm -hmm. is thirty five bucks from you. Correct. Uh, what would a counterfeit one tend to be priced at? I mean, sometimes it's... How much? 20 bucks. 20 bucks. So that's a warning sign. 15 to 20 dollars. But the point being is, so there's a, at least at this moment in time, as of uh, May of April of 2017, yeah. a 20 dollar cat tourniquet, it's probably a warning sign. Unless it's just a, Some a vet selling one. Crazy Bob. He got yeah. for free. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, sure. All right. Fair enough. But the point is, this could be counterfeit of any of this stuff. And if you're yeah. buying medical equipment... Well, the, the, the version that they're counterfeiting my price as a dealer, and that was with buy, minimum buy-in with the company and all this stuff, mm -hmm. um, because it's not the current thing anymore, I think I can say it like in trouble. It was like $19 and some change. Yeah. So my cost was $20, 20 plus dollars to my door. How is this dude selling it retail for twenty dollars? It's like the case with anything. When something's lower than it, when the price is so good to be true, too yeah. good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. Yeah. But this, I just wanted to bring this message out for one, because in the medical world, which I think I implore all viewers to go get medical training, it's more important than your gun training. It's probably going to be more applicable in your life. Most definitely. There's more. I mean, the chance of a car getting rolled over. You can just, do everything yeah. right and still get hurt. We heard a story today about a guy dying because he slipped with a knife while cutting a pumpkin. I mean, this is yeah. this sad and unfortunate. And that's the reality of the world we live in, much more so than a gunfight. Yeah. The point being is seek out the training, and then on top of that, make sure you get real medical equipment from a reputable vendor. Don't cheap out. This is stuff with lives on the line, literally. Well, uh, on the on the training as well, yeah. especially in this day and age, I can put anybody's name into Google and get a, a mountain of information on it. Yeah. Before you take a class with somebody, any a, a decent medical class is going to be one of those things. Yep. It's going to be at least a full day, and it's going to be $100 to $200. Mm -hmm. One that you're really going to walk away with something worth, worth knowing. For, uh, some trainers will provide equipment in, in, the, in the fee, and so their fee's a little more. Sure. Um, some of them are more like a Boy Scout type first aid yeah. type of class, and they might be a little bit less. But, but check out the people that you want to train with. Look at some reviews. See if what they're, you know, they're, they're, they're pushing any weird stuff or if they're real married to a, a specific product more than mm -hmm. teaching you As with stuff. any purchase in life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's, it's no exactly. different. It's no different. And in, in this day and age, it's so easy. I mean, I have the entire internet on a phone. Right, yep. I mean, there's no reason not to just I, do I, a little due diligence. I agree, but you do want to do some of this training in real life. Guys, I hope you appreciate this information. Uh, I think it's really valuable, and it's an important video to put out. So thank you for watching. If you like this stuff, again, we are completely viewer-supported by Patreon only. Please consider that. If not, subscribe, but more importantly, share this video because this is the kind of real-world knowledge that needs to get out there, and it's the stuff that we don't, unfortunately, see on a lot of channels. So thanks for watching, and thank you, Sean, yeah, for doing this. Thanks for coming by. That was counterfeit medical gear uh, that was on InRange TV. We shared it on July 1st, 2017. You can find that on YouTube. Lots of great information there. Okay, I'm going to go through a few s 
stories we didn't quite get to, the headlines, so folks can read up more if you'd like, and then play another clip of a news story, and then last long. All right, that's what we're doing. Going through this very quickly. Democracy Now! Uh, baseball, basketball, and hockey games postponed as players protest police violence. August 28th, 2020. There is an article there. And again, I'm not giving these as much time as I would like to, but we're the on a time crunch here, and there's so much going on. Uh, another, um, also, our segues, just, just going through them. Uh, Bay Area Air Regulatory Agency's Oversight Enforcement Challenged in New Report. This is from San Francisco Business Times. You can find it at bizbizjournals.com. This was written by Linda, or excuse me, Laura Waxman on August 27th, 2020. A new report charges that the Bay Area Air Quality Management District, tasked with regulating sources of air pollution in the Bay Area, is allowing polluting companies in San Francisco to operate without proper permits by delaying its permitting decisions. Motherfucked up stuff. Oof. Uh, next up, uh, from the No New SF Jail Coalition, you can find them at nonewsfjail.org. They have uh, campaign updates and as well as a lot more information, including reentry support and ways to take action. Uh, just there's so much information there, but I want to share this resource. No New Jail, excuse me, nonewsfjail.org. There's also an article in Vanity Fair, Blue Bloods: America's Brotherhood of Police Officers, and this was from the September. 2020 issue written by Eve L. Ewing. Uh, to understand the citadel of law enforcement, we must reckon with its unions, which resemble fraternities more than labor unions. I've heard that's a good read, so do you want to check that out? Also want to celebrate a person, a uh, 27-year-old man named Eric Brown Jr. Uh, from Jackson, Mississippi, who was arrested over this weekend, unfortunately. he uh, Eric hacked into the Hines County Human Services Department, HCHS, uh, and approved all applications for food stamps. After approving the applications, he then had cards mailed out to new applicants, all totaling $2,500 each. Current cardholders were also awarded $2,500 credits, and unfortunately, uh, his bond was uh, set at $100,000. Thankfully, he was bonded out, um, but that's what a fucking hero does, and that's what hackers could be doing right now, is making sure everyone has enough funds to support themselves and to feed their families. Uh, there is a video that's up that folks can check out by the Shutdown 850 Coalition. You follow them. You can follow them on Twitter at Shutdown 850. And this is Abolition in Action Number Four: Care Not Cages, Harm Reduction, uh, and Decriminalization. You can, I guess, it was also was streamed on Facebook. So again, at Shutdown 850, the number 850. You can find this as well. There's also a an article: Keep Police Out of School Study. We don't really need a study, again, to tell us what we already know, that police do not belong in schools or anywhere, really. It's by the TCR staff. came out on August 18th, 2020. You can find this at thecrimereport.org. Okay. And I think – oh, yeah, another article uh, for folks, and particularly in the Bay Area, although anywhere where there's difficulties with air quality, understanding purple air versus airnow.gov, measurements of smoke pollution, an explanation of why you're seeing two different numbers. This came out – on August 21st, seven-minute read by Josh Huggs. You can find it, again, at thebolditalic.com. And this is some really useful information. So for folks who are using Purple Air to find uh, the AQI, the air quality by the zip code, you can. there's ways that you can uh, be more specific about it or find more specific information. And that's if you go to the – well, there's I, I can't say fully in summary. However, one good piece of information here is if you are on uh, Purple Air, there's a little chart at the bottom, and you can select – 
the um, uh, LRAPA, which is the Lane Regional Air Protection Agency. So that has uh, the specifics that I think folks are looking for and also to uncheck the indoor monitors. But the article gives a whole broad um, explanation of all this. So again, it's on uh, boldatalk.com, Understanding Purple Air versus airnow.gov Measurements of Smoke Pollution, written by Josh Hug from August 21st. Whew, okay. Got through a lot of that faster than I thought. Probably because I didn't read all the specifics, but so much information out there, so much going on. Wow. Okay. Next up, going to share uh, a clip from NPR. To manage wildfire, California looks to what tribes have known all along. And this is what happens with fucking colonialism and white supremacy is that folks who actually knew how to live on the land and take care of it, um, sharing information from these folks. Uh, you can find this at NPR. Org. This came out on August 24th, 2020. Um, it's a four-minute listen, so I'm going to pull this up right now. There's an old cliche about fighting fire with fire. For California, this is not a metaphor. It's what they're literally doing. The state is trying to limit destructive wildfires by lighting small fires, which clear out excess vegetation, leaving less fuel for a big fire. The state is starting to work with Native American tribes who've done this for a long time. NPR's Lauren Summer reports. Good morning. Back in February, when large groups of people could still get together, about 50 Welcome. people gathered in a clearing in the Sierra Nevada foothills. So what we're doing out here is restoring life. Ron Good is tribal chairman of the North Fork Mono. He's brought together several California tribes to do something they've largely been stopped from doing for a century or more, cultural burning. We don't put fire on the ground and not know how it's going to turn out. That's what makes it cultural burning, because we cultivate. Also listening are officials from the state and federal government, the entities that historically banned tribal burning. Today, they're here to start taking steps to work together. But first, the day started with a blessing. Bill Leonard is tribal chairman of the Southern Sierra Miwok. Thank you, Bill. Get to work. The group heads out into the oak woodlands towards some bushes with long, bare branches. Sawberries, three-leaf sumac. A good one right there. Before they begin burning, they start harvesting. My mom is a basket weaver. Ray Gutierrez is cutting the straightest branches. All of our basket material needs to be tended to in some way. So they need to be burned. And then next year, We'll probably have sticks that are six, seven feet tall in one year. Fire in the hole. The dry branches light up quickly, but the roots will remain intact. After spring rains, the plant will resprout. When I was a kid, I learned from my mother, but my mother got in trouble when she burned because the fire department, you know, didn't want her doing what we're doing today. Good says historically, California's tribes burned thousands of acres every year until Western settlers arrived. They came with their concepts of being afraid of fire. They didn't understand fire in the sense of the tool that it could be to create and what it did to help generate and rejuvenate the land. So they brought in suppression. The Forest Service famously had the 10 a.m. rule to put out all forest fires by 10 a.m. the next day. 
forests quickly became overgrown, and Native tribes lost the land they once burned, says Beth Rose Middleton Manning, professor of Native American studies at UC Davis. There was actually a, a bounty on California Indian people. Uh, the governor had announced a war of extermination. So you have all that history, and it really fostered removal. Now, tribes across California are trying to restore cultural burning by working on public lands. I think it's really important that we don't think about traditional burning as what information can we learn from Native people and then exclude people and move on with non-Natives managing the land, but that Native people are at the forefront and are leading. So Jared, when you get enough brush, relight it. The crew moves on to burn a dense field a few acres across. Jennifer Montgomery lights the dry grass with a drip torch, basically a lighter on steroids. That was super empowering. I mean, I think every woman should get a chance to use a drip torch. Montgomery works for California's fire agency. The state is trying to reduce overgrown fuels on hundreds of thousands of acres, but it has a long way to go. She says California's tribes should be part of that. It's an opportunity for me to really see how effective cultural fire can be in addressing the issues we have around uncontrolled wildfire. The, the work that we did today, if a fire comes through there, it will drop down to the ground. Um, and frankly, it may, given the right circumstances, just stop the fire entirely on its own. For good, the day is about forming these partnerships, but it's also about the kids running alongside their parents. Oh, there's no better teaching than that. He looks out at the blackened field, which in a few weeks will sprout again. I'm excited. I'm, I'm elated because I'm looking around at, at what we've done, how beautiful the land is, is, is looking, and, and it is. It is. Lauren Summer, NPR News. All right. I um, just wanted to also share some troubling info. Uh, apparently ICE was spotted in San Francisco hanging around 17th and Florida. It was license plate 11732217 and this was uh, shared by uh, Andy Stryker on Twitter, so just wanted to share that. Um, they nabbed someone else in the area a couple days ago, so stay alert. This is a direct uh, from the source who saw them 20 minutes ago at 1, or when this was posted. They saw them at 1.08 p.m. So again, be wary of license plate 1173217. Fuck ICE. Putting out the energy for everyone who collaborates with ICE. Everyone in ICE just to fucking stop it. To quit your fucking job. I have a lot of other thoughts about them. This fucking country. All right. Sending lots of love and positive energy out to the world. As, uh, it's right just to be angry because there are people creating and committing great harm to one another in this world. Wanting to put out, plant some seeds of taking care of one another and living in a world where everyone's free and everyone's safe. All right, here's some Peter Gabriel to wrap up the show. Be back next week, and I hope everyone has a safe uh, week, and we can be together very soon.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Anti-Trump is the antivirus or antibody to the Trump virus. We're a global alliance of humans standing up against the Trump brand. Antitrump.com started four years ago on March 19, 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better world. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad. Most of us probably figured it would just be four more years of the same old... He was a 70-year-old babbling Nimrod. How bad could it really be? Treason is the last of his felonious activities. The Trump brand has hijacked our government and sold Lady Liberty to the mob. We are a leaderless and without the most basic health care systems and community services. COVID-19 is a pandemic, but the Trump brand is the virus. Welcome to the antivirus. Go to antitrump.com and spread the word. Individual politics aren't important. What is important is that we stand together as a unified voice and say enough is enough. That's antitrump.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department. whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why do we do this? Why, why are we <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling. He was like, move it, bitch, move it, bitch. And, uh, and uh, I wasn't, I wasn't. I'm just not. I'm not moving it, you know. I've arrived. Why should I move? I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. 115-340-1976, and it does not spell anything. 115-340-1976. Go for it. Call in, guys. download a podcast 
Radio.fm. Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. listen to my jokes and they'll even say nice things dude before they tell you how to get improvements no way what is this dang nabbit thing called it's joke workshop joke workshop yep every monday 6 to 8 p.m on the mutant radius so you're saying i could tell my jokes every monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 4.99. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here. I'm giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if any 